The first cell phone was demonstrated in 1973 by Martin Cooper. You know what wasn't demonstrated? Shared plans. Over 50 years later, you can save on one line thanks to Visible. When you switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible, you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees. No, really. You can look around for them. They're not there. Switch now at Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Underestimate the power of PlayStation. Hey, friends! Welcome to Beyond Episode Five Hundred Thirty Four. My name is Marty Sleva. I'm joined by Andrew Goldfarb. Hello, and Tina Meany. Hello, Tina. Welcome. It's your first day at IGN. It is, yes. All of a couple hours yeah. right now. Who who are you and why are you here? Uh, I am a human. <laughs> I am on Earth. Yep. I am here to lead the games editorial team. So technically, you're, you're our, our you're boss. boss. You're both yeah, bosses. You're gonna true. you're gonna it's manage us. Yeah. yeah, it's all gonna be terrible mandates from here on out. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I mean, that's oh. I, that's sort of been our careers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but what's uh, give a little bit of a rundown, sort of your history in the industry? Um, so I've been writing about games for too long now, uh, about like almost a decade, which is a weird thing to say, mm-hmm. uh, and makes me feel old. Um, I started like in college doing some, um, you know, typical like starting off doing news and doing some previews and stuff and uh, at a small site. And then out of college, I started at Complex Magazine and ran the games channel back when that still existed. It no longer exists, unfortunately. Uh, mainstream is tough for games. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and then I was deputy editor at Kotaku for roughly four years. And then I was at Mashable doing, uh, leading the games content there. Mm-hmm. And here I am today at yeah, GN. Uh, Super excited. A pretty good journey. Yeah. Yeah. We were, Andrew and I were just talking about how we're both about to hit our milestones. Seven years? Yeah. We both started in 2011. Um, it's just, it just seems like such a long yeah. time. When you yeah. reflect on it, you're like, no, that can't be true. Yeah. 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 I'm like, how have I been doing this longer? That almost as long as like high school and college combined. Oh God! Yeah, that's how you know you're getting older. I know. That and I'm literally and just feet yeah. is all like baby babies, and, and I'm just in yeah. constant pain. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're too. like my knees, yeah. <laughs> my no. hips. Yeah, you guys are making me feel real good about being. Oh yeah, happy today. birthday, Andrew! <laughs> yeah, happy yeah. birthday, Andrew! Thanks. Yeah, you're getting old. Today's Andrew's thirty-second uh, birthday. Yep, um, one step closer to death. I think you're one. You got to Look, and we Barrett made a picture for you. Thanks, Barrett. Thank you. Birthday card. Wow, I, I look very. I like that completely non-smiling photo that he used. Well, that's because well, it's very persona. It is very that's persona. True. You know, you have to be intense. I have to be. That's true. I have to yeah. steal hearts. So, if if Andrew sings persona, do you have a thing? Like, do you have a game that that you don't shut up about? Um, not quite. I'm like I'm all over the board. So, like at Kotaku, I was the Borderlands person. 
Um, and I nonstop talked about Borderlands at all times, uh, which is funny. Yeah. <laughs> Full disclosure, I yeah. once worked at Gearbox Software. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that was my thing. But in general, it's always been like first person shooters. So like mm-hmm. Borderlands kind of fit into that. Mm-hmm. Um, these days, I'm, I'm super, I've become a super casual and I'm like, stories are great. And like, I'll play the hell out of like a Telltale game or, or something like that. And it's one of those things where I can rope my non-gamer friends into play, yeah. playing with me. So it's it's always a good like access. I mean, point. those are the games I go back to probably the most are oh, yeah. like stuff like when, when I still had PT was to be like, hey, play, sit down and play PT with me, or play Journey, or yeah, any of the Walking Dead games, or even like Catherine and stuff that's super cinematic, like yeah. Last of Us or anything that like feels yeah. More like a movie yeah. Story. I'm well, actually yeah. well, I was just gonna say I'm really excited to have someone into Borderlands here because like I can't cover it, and yes. so it's like. They've I will take been, that mantle. For you. <laughs> well, they've been talking about the next one for so long that it's I don't even know anymore because I'm not I haven't been there in so long. So it's like when that eventually happens. I mean, you can't yeah. like forever. You can't cover it. Yeah, I think not. I well, know. I guess that, it's like that weird. I would just have to disclose. Yeah. Like I could write a borderlands preview just disclose. That feels like it'd be weird. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it also sort of is along the lines of, like, if you were working on a specific project and then yeah. you're no longer in any way privy to any of those conversations. Yeah. But it's difficult to draw those lines, too, of course. I think I'm there. I don't think anything. I imagine so. It's been a yeah. few years, right? Yeah, it's been. I love Battleborn. was the main thing you worked on, right? Pre-sequel in Battleborn, yeah. yeah. And, like, a little bit of Homeworld and, like, all that stuff yeah. out. Yeah. yeah. Like I said, what about mm. Battleborn 2? Who knows? Probably not going to happen. Not you. You <laughs> don't know. I definitely don't know. <laughs> I know. That's the most important thing. You Probably not going to happen. Uh, we were talking about games that are cinematic that mm-hmm. we can sit down and play with non-gamer friends. Uh, Detroit Good Become Saturday. Human. Thank you. Seems to be one of those <laughs> games. Uh, we got a release date for Detroit finally. Mm-hmm. Uh, May 25th. Woo! How do we feel about that? Well, that was a woo. Uh, I think that's a really smart, like that, that pre-E3 spot. It's where they put The Last of Us. It's, it's kind of where Uncharted 4 ended up coming out. Like, yeah. there's that nice little window where not a lot comes out where people actually have time to look at it, like right before E3. Yeah, that was where Witcher was a couple of years ago. I think the, Arkham Knight was in a slot like that. And it sort of makes yeah. sense, like, one final push that's, like, the early summer game. And for us, we're always like, man, you got to get that game out before E3. 99% of people don't. Like, they care about E3 in terms of, like, the coverage, but they don't have to fly there. And, like, yeah. They don't have to, like, go cover E3, so they can just play this from their homes. Uh, I don't know, but, like, we didn't really get a lot of details with this release date. We just got the, uh, obviously, May 25th. Uh, how are you guys feeling about sort of that in terms of, like, you know, Sony's Sony's catalog for the rest of the year? Well, it's after God of War, which is good. Mm-hmm. I feel like yeah. that gets it. Like, God of War is April. Like, Detroit's a weird one, right? Because, like, I don't know that the release date really matters. Like, I feel like this is one of those games that, like, the people who are going to flock to it are going to flock to it. I don't really know, commercial prospect-wise, what Detroit looks like. Well, and, like, did uh, did uh, Heavy Rain or, like, Beyond Two Souls, like, they'll sell extremely well. Heavy Rain. Heavy Rain sold pretty Beyond. well. Yeah. I, do, I don't know, honestly. I, I can't imagine Beyond sold super well. Well, that's the weird thing about it is like everyone is crazy high on God of War and Spider Man right now because every time they show it, everyone's like, "Oh, this demo looks really cool and this looks great." Whereas I feel like Detroit, they've shown it a bunch, and we're all sort of mixed on. Like, we went to get coffee earlier. We're talking about how we feel about Detroit, and we're all sort of like cautiously optimistic. Maybe I'm cautiously optimistic. Yeah. It could go really well, or it could be one of those like empty promises mm-hmm. kind of a thing where you're like branching storylines and like your choices actually matter. And I feel like every time we've been told that, they actually have not really yeah. mattered all that much. Yeah, it's yeah. like even the Telltale games. It's like they're this weird like it's like two. It's like a circle kind of or like an oval mm-hmm. where it's like 
at a point it branches, but then they meet back up at the top anyway. Yeah. So I don't know. Like I, I don't. I think you're totally right. I think I've we've heard so many people be like, oh, like your choices matter, and then it's either the same ending or just one of two endings. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, inherently, it's difficult to develop for like so many branching paths. So in some way, at some point, it's going to have to get to a point where like you're still being leaded down a certain path. Yeah. yeah. Allegedly, this script is so robust. Yeah. But and it's, it's everything's being like written around it in sure. such a way that hopefully there will be those like really impactful moments. Yeah. I always laugh at those pictures when a developer like it happened. David Cage has done this before. And then most recently with uh, Kingdom Come Deliverance, where they're like, look at our script. And it's like as tall as like a toddler. And you're like, is it good? Is it yeah. double spaced? Though? Yeah. Is it? But I'm like, <laughs> I know that. Trick. I'm like also like, I went to thing. college. Like <laughs> I've read short stories that are really good. Like that doesn't that doesn't mean this is good. Yeah. Beyond, I think for Beyond they did a mailing. I think they mailed to press like a, essentially like two phone books stacked on top of each other of like the Beyond script. That's real swag. Like, that is yeah. real swag. <laughs> it's like all the mailmen were like, "Why are you? Doing Why this? is this happening? <laughs> what a waste of paper." Yeah. Um. Yeah. That's really interesting. I'm. Uh, you talking about sort of the the false promises of like branching paths and player agency actually reminds me. Uh, Andrew and I were at Dice recently, which is sort of a uh, we we hosted a bunch of the panels on uh, IGN, but it's it's pretty much where developers go to learn from each other and to sort of it's it's not for us, it's for them. Uh, but I got to sit down with uh, Chet Falasek, who was a longtime writer at Valve on uh, Portal and Half Life Episode Two and Left for Dead, uh, and he is now uh, working with the the team who made Surgeon Simulator and I Am Bread on pretty much the game that seems to want to actually be the first one to do this of the no matter what you do the game will react to it and if you want if a character dies the game will deal with it if you want to become best friends with that character the game will deal with it if you want to abandon that character the game will deal with it um and he was talking like we went to the to the talk and yeah and you can watch the full talk on IGN you watch the full talk on IGN it's super interesting but it's definitely all in sort of vagaries and like conceptual things where I'm like this sounds really cool I don't know what step two is but step three sounds like a really interesting game but i just don't i can't comprehend because i've never made a game yeah i just can't comprehend what step two is in that it's that old uh there's i think it's a south park joke where it's like step one steal something step steal two underwear. question mark question mark question mark step three profit okay. yeah it's totally that so it's like that, yeah that's I, I guess i don't know yeah I mean, it's good when people experiment because even if it fails, at least it gives people – and it is kind of the spirit of GDC, right? Like mm -hmm. you're just like, let's try it. Let's see. And so even if Detroit doesn't become this like – you know, the the prized, the like finally we made it happen, mm -hmm. like choices actually mattered for once um, moment, then it's it's still an interesting thing that someone is doing that someone's trying yeah. and pursuing. Well, and it's interesting because it's about – we're we're talking about sort of the video game concepts of like choice and free will, but it's also a story about choice and free will. Like it's about androids and, and artificial intelligence. I was gonna say Andrew. I was like, oh, no. it's about Andrew. <laughs> it's all about you, oh, it's you special <laughs> birthday boy. Um, no, so I feel like it's interesting that like unlike you know, Heavy Rain was sort of a, a serial killer David Fincher movie with an unreliable narrator, and Beyond Two Souls was a a teen psychological horror out of sequence mess. Whereas this is like to me just super interesting because I'm like you're you're mechanics and the themes of the actual story are finely interwoven together yeah at the very least i mean it's interesting because we're you know there's a new blade runner mm -hmm. and yeah. like our technology is getting to that point where ai being like a feasible thing where like a t possibly terrifying thing yeah. is potentially getting more we're getting like closer and closer to that reality so even just as a narrative is an interesting thing to explore yeah i mean it is super yeah. funny that if you would have seen like some of those like car trailers and stuff from detroit when we were kids it'd have been like man that is so futuristic whereas now you're like yeah that's 
probably what or the, like two years. Yeah, that. like that yeah. literally <laughs> might be what Detroit's like. I don't know. I haven't been there since I was a kid, so maybe. Um, so again, so putting this, we have God of War uh, on April twentieth. Mm-hmm. Uh, now we have. Uh, May 25th, we're going to have Detroit. And then we have three completely nebulous 2018 games that could go anywhere. Yeah, so these were the early and the spring games. And then, so for 2018, we still have Dreams from Media Molecule. We still have Spider-Man. And in theory, we still have Days Gone. So Days Gone is the weirdest one out of that bunch because uh, it was a no-show at PSX. Um, There was a BCD demo at E3 last year. It was a no-show at PSX. And then on stage uh, with Greg, actually, Shuhei said it's a 2018 game. But no trailers or marketing material has actually said, to my knowledge anyway, maybe I missed it, but I don't think they've actually, actually formally said 2018 for mm-hmm. that. Um, and it's been pretty quiet. Like, I, we haven't really heard anything about it yet this year, whereas we've gotten, obviously, uh, we got the God of War date and we got the Detroit date and, like, Spider-Man's quiet, too. Um, I yeah. feel like that one, I don't know, like, assuming it has a big E3 and they show us that it's actually a game, I can still see that one being this year. Dreams, I think, needs a beta before it can come out. Because it needs that user-generated yeah. content, like they need people to spend time with it. Yeah, I mean, I can see dreams being a thing that just comes out in like July or August, like in a beta yeah. form, even of yeah. like, let people play with this, and and it you can do stuff for free on in VR, you could do stuff in non VR, and then yeah, Spider Man. I mean, I still imagine it's gonna be their fall ten pole game. Yeah, especially that plus like if if we do live in a world where Kingdom Hearts is actually coming out this year, uh, I can see like Kingdom Hearts being a huge third party pillar for them, and then well, Spider Man being the big first. Yeah, one. and clearly they don't. I mean, they have so many third party. Like if yeah. Red Dead doesn't slip, they have Red Dead yeah, as a third party true. pillar. They're probably still going to have that Call of Duty. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess you're right. Though I was going to say third party exclusive, but I guess you're right that like Call of Duty and Red Dead do have those exclusive yeah. content deals. Yeah, like, and then there's I the Spiral rumors, which that isn't like the biggest yeah. thing in the world. But if those three Spiral games come out again this fall. Man, this year's getting busy already. Yeah, which is why, which yeah. is why to me, like, yes, exactly. <laughs> which is why to me, Days Gone feels like the one thing that like doesn't have a place this year, unless it's like where the Last Guardian was, where it's like first week of December. But that always feels like where games get sent to die. Yeah, because mm-hmm. it's like, well, everyone spent their that holiday money yeah. already. Like, well, and that's not like it's weird because the the last big big game is in not as in like AAA, but big is in like big like traversing a big open world game that came out in December was Far Cry Three. And I think everyone across the board would agree that was a mistake. Like, that game is amazing, and I feel like it got cut off from a lot of awards consideration. It it probably didn't help its sales. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that game could have done better if it had been maybe a little earlier in the fall. Yeah. Um, Or, like, if it had been Q1 or something. Yeah. So, Days Gone... I don't know. Maybe it slips into like Q1 of 2019. Yeah. Like maybe they like a first week of February game. And yeah. I feel like if, if everything's sort of quiet, people would be like, oh, cool. A new big first party Sony game to play. Yeah. I don't think it's necessarily even a bad sign if we havenven't heard anything just yet. Cause E3 is so close. I'm sure everyone's like yeah. trying yeah. to hold back. Like they know that they're going to get the most eyeballs. Like it's our Super Bowl. Like sure. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if they had at least some kind of showing. Um, <sighs> yeah. But if they don't, I would be concerned for sure. I yeah, 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 exactly. Like, like, that's when E3, we can get Yeah, it's like at E3, there's no excuses at yeah. that point. I mean, mm. the th- but there's like completely separate um, departments to like thinking about, all right, we need to get these marketing materials out. Mm-hmm. You know, we need to remind people that it's coming out and, and put in a release date or whatever it yeah. is. But that's like mostly not what the developers are focused on. They're like, we're going to keep our heads down and make this and game. Make our thing. And then, yeah. yeah, and then like, you know, we'll take this little slice of it for E3 at some point. But like, yeah. you, have to, you have to set aside time to do that. Yeah. And the thing that worries me about that at E3 is that, you know, the other games we mentioned coming to PS4 that are 2019, 2020 are going to be Death Stranding, which yep. I assume will be big at E3. Ghost of Tsushima, which I assume maybe at E3, maybe Hell to PSX or Paris. And then Last of Us 2, which we know is going to be at E3. 
And The Last of Us is worrisome because that and Days Gone are both sort of post-apocalyptic zombie-ish survival games. But clear, like, what there's you know question that people are more excited for The Last of Us than yeah. Days Gone. So I feel like showing both of those things at E3 would be a mistake for Days Gone. Yeah. Almost like the whole zombie theme is a little, <laughs> is a little, a little yeah. And oh, unless you're like, uh, in Days Gone, they're freakers, not zombies. Oh yeah. <laughs> and yeah. in uh, The Last of Us, they're cordyceps. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I think um, the thing that Days Gone needs to show is what is the game. Like we've yeah. seen these very specific, like this is one scenario where you're running away from the horde or whatever. But like, isn't it supposed to be like an open world motorcycle game? Like, have we literally seen any? Yeah, of that it's yet? supposed to be an open world game. I got the I've seen a motorcycle. I've seen the motorcycle. I got to play some of the open world stuff. I think I snuck into a thing for judges when I wasn't a judge, and no one told me to leave, and yeah, I played it. That one was where you like stealth in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, to and the camp, and right? so yeah, and so I feel like I don't know all that stuff's there, but yeah, I agree. Like, we need to. I don't know. I like the idea of of the seasons changing and like yeah. doing one mission in winter is different than doing it in the rain is different than doing it in the sun. It's like Pokemon go has a weather effect. It's exactly like Pokemon go. The, I'm trying uh, to make Pokemon go happen. Oh, he already made it happen. <laughs> it was the biggest game. You're so good. Andrew, I, all because of Andrew. <laughs> he caught his Mewtwo. I did. It was oh, good. Oh, Congratulations. Proud of you. Hey, thank you. Uh, sticking with E3 games. We know, well, not games we know, but people we know for sure. Are going to be at E3. Uh, Bethesda has been, I think, I guess Bethesda and EA are the first ones to sort of yep. mark their, their, their flag in the sand. So tell us what's going on with Bethesda. Uh, Bethesda is returning to Sunday night. I think this is the third year in a row. Uh, third press conference, third year that they're doing Sunday. Um, 6.30 p.m. Uh, same slot they took last year. Last year, I think it was pretty much consensus. I mean, feel free to disagree, but like it felt like they didn't quite have enough to justify a press conference last year. Mm-hmm. Um, not that Wolfenstein 2 and Evil Within 2 aren't exciting, but it just like... It really felt like they were dragging it out to even fill forty minutes last year. Yeah, Bethesda was at a, they were at a weird place last year because they didn't have their Elder Scrolls slash Fallout pillar, and Prey had just come out, and so they had cool stuff like Evil Within and Wolfenstein and uh, the Dishonored Death of the Outsider. But again, it didn't feel like it was enough. And yeah. those three games came out in the fall, and they all performed really well, but or critically really well. But then we know sales wise didn't. And they immediately got cut, you know, in half price-wise. They were $30, like, a couple days later, a couple weeks later. And so that was worrisome. But all those games are out the door, and we don't know what Bethesda's working on right now. They're being real secretive. They're being real secretive. Yeah. They got big projects. Which is yeah. – What was it? Like, crazy and big was the – That's yeah, what Todd Howard I'm pretty thought. sure that's what Todd – yeah. Big and crazy, something like that. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. like, do you think that at this showing we see the Elder Scrolls Six? Is it too soon? Well, we see a third pillar to their giant open world games. The weird thing is, like, it depends on how much you trust Todd Howard, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's the thing where, like, for the last, um, I don't know, two or three years, like, post Fallout 4, he keeps talking about how, uh, oh, like, we have seven projects in the works. And he was including, like, Fallout 4 VR, and he was including some stuff that's come out. Um, so I think Skyrim on Switch was included in that count. Like, that was all part of the Bethesda Game Studios count. Um but now I feel like, I don't know, like they've, he's talked before about how they have two crazy, yeah, huge, big. It's like a suggestion whatever. that there's a new, I, there are a few new IPs. Yeah. Coming, yeah. Well, and they were open that Elder Scrolls 6 is coming, but they said at least two Fallout size games are coming first. And so, like, that's where I get confused. Like, I kind of don't believe them. I kind of think they'll just announce Elder Scrolls 6 and that's next. Or like but, Skyrim on iOS. Oh, is that no. like the last platform? That, that is, that's the on? last bastion, yeah. <laughs> Uh, that would. I swear, if they say Skyrim on that stage again, I'm going to lose my mind. Like, it, if we have to keep writing about I just Skyrim, don't hear yeah, that name again. <laughs> Skyrim was Crazy. the first fall we were covering games. That's right. Yeah, it came out uh, that that first November. Yeah, it's just so insane to me. Like, 
there are all those rumors out there about like what if uh the the next Elder Scrolls game returns to Skyrim like rather than focusing yeah. on the new continent or whatever and it's like oh my god just stop it just like yeah. let it go it's like James Cameron with Avatar like yeah. you gotta stop stop trying to make Sky <laughs> well they're not trying to make Skyrim a thing they made Skyrim a thing yeah yeah um yeah I'm curious if the sort of the the lack of uh, sales reception of some of those games you mentioned earlier may have switched some things around and instead of taking risks with a new IP maybe it was like guys like we know Skyrim's gonna work just get the next Elder Scrolls out there like shift resources around show it now for I don't know I don't think you could show it at E3 I don't think it's far enough along to be like and it's out in November like I don't think it's at that point with Fallout 4 yeah I mean when did Fallout 4 ship that was 2015 yeah it was shown at their first conference at 2015 yeah no, that would have been 2016 Right. So I guess yeah. it's been, yeah, I don't think it's been long enough. I mean, like maybe, I don't know, maybe, but like they love being unpredictable, right? So who knows? Yeah. yeah. I mean, we assume, like, I think it's about time we see Doom 2. Doom 1 sold really well. It came to Switch. Mm, true. That's um, a, yeah, that, that makes sense just yeah. because of how well it did. Yeah, yeah. totally. And so, and, and we know they've been working on stuff for a while, but like, I don't know. And, and also, by the way, Barrett, I saw you put that Rage logo up on the screen no earlier. No one wants I just, Rage. I Get it out of there. not to acknowledge it. Yeah. Uh, for no, why is it zooming yeah. in? <laughs> for people watching the video version, our producer Barrett is putting the Rage logo on the screen because he was the one who liked it. I, guess. I promise there's two things we're not going to see. Rage 2 and Wet 2. Yeah. Mm. Brink Never, 2. What? Brink, Brink 2. Yeah. We're definitely not going to see Brink 2. Why? Anytime they try to make a game with one word, it just fails. Yeah. Well, I guess except for Doom. Yeah. What about Quake? Do you think Quake could come back? Didn't just like just come out? No, but like, like, a, like a like Oh, like proper Quake? Maybe? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because what was the thing that came out? Quake Champions? Yeah, that was like sort of a arena shooter. Yeah. I was surprised they didn't do a, like a New Vegas-esque Fallout 4 companion thing. Yeah. Like I I really thought that was coming, Um, and I don't know if they've just decided to lean away yeah. from that. But I mean the thing was New Vegas was Obsidian. Like they outsourced oh, it. But that's right? what I mean. So, like yeah. I'm, just, I'm surprised they didn't hand Fallout off to like another third-party studio to just like – do a stopgap. Here's here's the engine. Get something done. Yeah, yeah. Because New Vegas, like there are a lot of people who feel like New Vegas is better than Fallout Three, and it, and maybe that soured them on it. Like maybe that's why they didn't want to do it. Yeah, we're putting together a big feature of updating our top 100 games of all time, and there were so many arguments around Fallout Two versus Fallout Three versus New versus Vegas. New Vegas, yeah. And I was just silent in them because I'm just like I've, I've never played a Fallout game, so just make the decision and we'll put it on here. What, you don't like calculating percentages of where you know your shots will hit. Oh my vats! <laughs> my vats! I don't want. No, I don't want any. Uh, uh, the last thing was this Prey DLC thing. What was the deal with that? Oh, that's right. Yeah, they put up a weird video on the official Prey Twitter. That's just like a moon. It's like a really short little video. It's just like a shot of the moon. Um, so maybe there's some Prey DLC coming. I I didn't play it. I ended up not oh, playing yeah. it. Did you play? I liked it. I played about ten hours of it. I liked, I liked it, it. I hated the ending, and it kind of goes back to what we were talking about, like choices whatever no fake choices yeah. yeah yeah my gut says that's not dlc and that it's um a switch port oh could be yeah they've talked a lot about um i mean because but, but, well and yeah. bethesda i mean we have uh new colossus coming to switch later in the year mm -hmm. we have obviously doom and skyrim last year so bethesda were one of the first early adopters to get on board and obviously it's been successful for them because anyone who releases a quality game on switch sees the results yeah so. I, I I'm totally happy to do, for them to do that because I w want every game on my Switch. Yeah, like every right. game ever. I want. Yeah, that becomes like I feel I bad for people listening to podcasts because I swear, right. yeah, exactly. And Dave Blank's Studio, just oh yeah, we do right. it. Yeah. Iron Galaxy. Yeah, yeah. That, the, their job is to port these things and like let us do it. Mm -hmm. Man, what about Vita? Remember Vita? <laughs> it's okay, Andrew. It's okay. 
I like Vita. <laughs> I like Vita too. It's just the switch. Vita two? No, <laughs> I know. Those words in a row. Um, Vita comma. Vita comma. <laughs> Vita. Uh, it's like typing to Siri. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we have to skip to Andrew now. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of that, a very confusing thing to try to get across to Siri and for SEO and for us writing articles is going to be whatever the next Battlefield game is, mm-hmm. especially if it is a Battlefield World War Two game called Battlefield Five. Yeah, the so the rumor right now that came out of uh, Games Beat was that there's a uh, another Battlefield in development because uh, they EA very publicly has been talking about Battlefield 2018 and how it's actually a thing and they're gonna show it at uh, they publicly confirmed it'll be shown at EA Play, which is EA's like E3 time mm-hmm. kind of separate show. So we're gonna see the new Battlefield this year, uh, and Games Beat uh, had like the title screen of a beta build that call it called it Battlefield V, like Battlefield Five Roman numeral. Uh, and they said it's a World War II set and that uh, it was internally being called Battlefield 2, like the numeral 2, as a sequel to Battlefield 1 because it takes place in World War II because Battlefield's naming is the most horribly confusing thing They're just resetting. Ever. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> but it's so confusing because, like, so Ryan McCaffrey laid out uh, the mainline Battlefield numbering of just, like, the mainline series. And it went from Battlefield 1942 to Battlefield 2 to Battlefield 2142 to Battlefield 3 and 4. But then it was Battlefield 1. And now it would be Battlefield 5. And that's not com- counting, like, Bad Company and, and Hardline. And Bad Company 2. And Bad Company 2. Yeah, and Vietnam. Yeah. They need to just do the movie style, like, Battlefield 2018. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that would honestly yeah. be so point. much easier. Well, because yeah. it's confusing when Doom came out, we just called Doom. And we're like, well, there's already a game called Doom. There's also, like, when Battlefront came out, and then Battlefront 2. And like, yeah. well, there's already a Battlefront mm-hmm. 2 from, like, 10 yeah. years or ago. Or Xbox One. What's the next yeah. Xbox to be called? Yeah. See, the, Sony's the only one doing this right with consoles. Yeah. The next console will be called the PS5. Well, no, the mm-hmm. next console will be called the Vita 2. And then after that, it's not a. <laughs> what if that's. They don't do a PS5, they just do Vita 2, and it's their, like, Switch hybrid? What if they just count down from their PS3, PS2? They just PS2. Do it oh, they go back? <laughs> like, yeah. What happens after one? <laughs> we all I don't know. I could kind of get, get behind that. Um, it totally makes sense for me that given Battlefield 1's success by going back to sort of. Um, I was going to say old-timey, which seems like the worst way to describe World War One. <laughs> you know, those quaint old-time yeah. muster gas attacks. Uh, but no, God. going back to sort of you know, the, the, yeah, the pendulum really. of these uh, of, of shooters seems to be, you know, historical realism and mm-hmm. then back to future tech with, with double jumps and rocket boots and, like, exoskeletons. And everyone seems to now be going back to Battlefield 1 was World War 1, uh Call of Duty World War 2 was obviously World War 2, so it makes sense for me to battle f- for Battlefield to do this again just whatever flash forward 20 years from World War 1. Um, yeah. Is it going to be too similar to last year's World War 2 shooter if that happens? Like do you think Battlefield do you think a World War 2 game can find success this year on the heels of uh Call of Duty World War 2 last year? Jesus, these are hard to say. <laughs> That's what it was forever, right? Like there were only World War Two games for so long. Yeah, yeah, plus like honestly, all all of these like war set games are beginning to blur together for me. Yeah. So it's like, are any of them really all that yeah. unique when you get down to it? Well, and that's the thing is like the other rumor this year is that the Call of Duty game is Black Ops Four, and so it's going to be the whatever like twentieth mainline Call of Duty game, but it's going to be called Call of Duty colon Black Ops Four. That's the funny thing, and, and we talked about we talk about this a lot, but like Activision doesn't like if you look at like. Any other major publisher, they have, like, a huge stable of franchises. And, like, Activision kind of doesn't. They have, like, two, <laughs> two or three franchises per year that they do. Um, and they sort of, like, 
you know, Guitar Hero and Skylanders and Tony Hawk are great examples of like they milk them and milk them and milk them until they stop performing and then they just kind of yeah. quietly drop them. Yeah. You know? And so like I, Call of Duty has never been that, but they have these kind of sub franchises within Call of Duty that are kind of getting the same treatment. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. It's like if you look at when Call of Duty became what it is now, it was uh, Modern Warfare 1, Call of yeah. Duty 4. Um, and I think um, – <laughs> Names are bad. Names are uh, bad. Battlefield 3 was kind of a big return to form for Battlefield. Like Battlefield 3 was that year where I feel like Battlefield kind of returned to being part of the conversation. Yeah. Um, and then I think since then, like those games have all been solid. They're, they review well. Like no one like majorly dislikes them. Maybe Hardline, which was kind of a weird. Yeah, Battlefield One was really well received. Yeah, for yeah. sure. So like I don't know. Like I think Dice is like incredibly talented and can easily um, make a cool World War Two game that would be different. Yeah. I just don't. I find it fascinating that like no one knows how to do anything else than returning to what they did before. Like like surely there's some other direction these games could go in. Yeah, I mean the problem is you can't go back any further than World War One. Yeah, because like you, I don't know if you can mechanically make, especially if you are a triple A fall blockbuster shooter. Yeah. I don't think you can make an interesting Revolutionary War or Civil War game. Yeah. I think if you weren't trying to be a giant multiplayer shooter, you could. Like I think it's like you could make an interesting Civil War game. Yeah, wasn't um, that a pitch for Call of Duty? Wasn't there like a? Um, there was the Roman one. Right? Yeah, Roman Call of Duty Roman Wars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is yeah. just at that point not called. That's just Rise. But what is what is what defines a Call of Duty or a Battlefield game? It has a gun in it. Yeah, like, shoot, like at this point, shoot, like shooting no, with a yeah. with a apostrophe. A lot of grays and browns. Yeah, grays <laughs> and browns. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, do you want like like how, what if there's like a super color? Like, what if one of these would just do the Blood Dragon route and be like, let's just make not sci-fi in terms of like hard grounded like angry sci-fi, but just like something I don't stylish know. or like fu- like what we thought the future would be like in like the '60s and make yeah. that have like la- like pew pew lasers. I want more games of pew pew lasers. Well, or just like um, uh, that movie, A Very Long Engagement. Yeah. It is very much a war movie, but it's also very much a love story. And it's like mm-hmm. more from like the perspective of like a single character or like I guess two characters. And there's a ton of magical realism in it. Yeah. Like I would love to see something like that. I would love to see like a, a more majorly story focused Call of Duty that like, yes, you still have plenty or Battlefield. I mean, either one of them could do it. Like you still have like the um, multiplayer modes for all the people who are only playing that. But so so we know it. Sledgehammer has a vacancy up at the top. Yeah. So they bring in Jean Pierre Junet, who That'd directed Amelie yeah. and a very long engagement. Studio and Alien Four and Alien Four. We don't talk about that one. Yeah. And then your main character, instead of being like Kit Harrington, is uh, Audrey Tattoo. Yeah. We bring her in, and it just becomes like a whimsical romp through. That's not a bad idea. We should do like an industry swap where yeah. game developers make Ooh. movies and and movie directors come and make games. I would like totally be behind that. Well, sometimes when movie direct, but sometimes <laughs> <clears throat> when movie directors try to make games, it doesn't go well. Oh, like who? Case in point, Academy Award winning director Guillermo del Toro. We've just had great segues, today, I know, guys. Really good. Yeah, let's work that out. <laughs> I did, this was this was a Brian Altano Photoshop. He said that, that was his little Oscar. Was I oh, know that wait that was the Kojima thing. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, never mind. Brian had another Photoshop. I get Kojima and Brian confused. I think much. Barrett might have Photoshopped that. I feel like it's weird that you No, Kojima that definitely there. tweeted that out. Oh. Last night. Oh. I thought sorry, Barrett was going to come in and correct me, but he didn't. Uh, Barrett maybe Hideo Kojima. I've never seen him in the same room. <laughs> I think we all saw that persona thing, so I think <laughs> yeah. you're incredibly talented. <laughs> uh, but yeah, last night, uh, Guillermo del Toro, uh, obviously in Shape of Water, won Best Director as well as Best Picture. Do you think it deserved Best Picture DC Shit? I didn't. I'm I'm waiting to see it for a good moment. I liked it. Uh, I guess I guess I maybe would have voted for it. I don't know. Like this year had a lot of movies 
that I really liked that I thought were like like really good or even great, but there wasn't like one I fell in love with this year. Like like for me, last year Moonlight was like very obviously my pick, and I thought it was like incredible. So you hate Get Out? No, I like Get Out a lot. It's just like I don't know. An instigator. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> no, I I kind of agree with that to where. The last year with uh, Moonlight and La La Land, it was like two movies that I loved, and so them like fighting over the Oscar at the end, I was kind of fine with. Yeah, but yeah, aside from that weird moment, yeah, aside from Get Out though, like yeah, Yeah. (laughs) hey, they fixed it this year. It was fine. Yeah, Yeah. how come that doesn't happen? Like we don't have that at the Game Awards. I guess we had Joseph Ferris coming. That was like the equivalent of that. That's true. Yeah, do you think he watched the Oscars last night? I mean, no, he hates the. Yeah, I think he made it very clear. He's he not a fan of the Oscars. Yeah, I feel like he couldn't possibly <laughs> have been more clear about that. <laughs> All of a sudden, there's like a picture of him. That's what. That's investigative journalism. Yeah, he did watch the Oscars. We'll never know. Wow. We'll never know. Um, I'm putting yeah. it on the list. Okay, that's good. That's good. Uh, but Del Toro, uh, obviously, aside from you know directing cool movies like uh, you know Hellboy and uh, Blade Two and Pan's Labyrinth and uh, now Shape of Water has had quite a storied history in video games that has literally never amounted in a video game being made, which is sort of the saddest thing ever because he's he is one of those guys who's also he has been attached to so many cool sort of nerd culture movie products that have also never been made. Uh, he was attached to The Hobbit. And he ended up leaving that. He was attached to um, an, in the Mountain of Madness, like an H.P. Yeah. Lovecraft thing. He had to leave Pacific Rim 2. He had to leave Pacific Rim 2. I uh, mean, he's one of those guys who, like, feels like alternate reality Peter Jackson in that, like, Peter Jackson and him actually have, like, pretty similar, like, weird creative backgrounds. But then Peter Jackson got to make Lord of the Rings and just has carte blanche to do whatever he wants forever. Yeah. And it's like maybe with this Oscar win that can become the rest of Guillermo del Toro's. Yeah, as long as it's not making games because uh, <laughs> if we go back to 2006, he announced a game called Sundown. Uh, it was being developed with Terminal Reality, who were the developers of Blood Rain, Connect Star Wars, and The Walking Dead Survival Instinct. So those aren't good. Uh, but Guillermo del Toro has been like a huge gamer his whole life, and he said that he wanted to make a Left 4 Dead game. Uh, that game was announced in 2006. I assume has been canceled because it never came out. So there, it wasn't officially canceled. Oh, for one. Oh, for one. Uh, in 2008, he was attached to the Halo movie. So he was going to direct the Halo movie, which him and also Peter Jackson were attached to that Alex Garland strip. Oh, script. yeah. Yeah. Um, and so he was going to direct the Halo movie, but then instead left to direct the Hobbit trilogy, which he then left and Peter Jackson then went to direct, which is very confusing. Yeah. Um, and then in 2010, he announced a trilogy of games at the Game Awards called Insane. That were Well, they announced there was one teaser trailer for a spooky game called Insane that he was going to be making with a THQ and Volition who did uh, Red Faction and Saints Row. Mm-hmm. And so we got one teaser trailer, and then they said this is going to be a trilogy. And then uh, on an investor call in August of 2012, bless you, <laughs> uh, Danny Bilson right. was like, uh, no, we canceled mm-hmm. it. So that never got made. So that, I think one thing to do there is don't announce a trilogy before you have more before than a teaser. Before you have the first one, yeah. yeah. Um, and then, of course, uh, most famously, PT and Silent Hills. So when the Silent Hills or the PT demo came out at Gamescom 2014, uh, you played it to the end and then it said Hideo Kojima and Guillermo del Toro and Norman Reedus in Silent Hills. We're like, okay, so del Toro somehow connected to this game. Uh, and then obviously when Kojima and Konami parted ways, uh, del Toro announced that he was officially off the project and he said, quote, uh, I've proven to be the albatross of video games. I joined THQ and THQ goes broke. I joined Kojima and Kojima leaves Konami because of Metal Gear. I've decided in order to not destroy anyone else's lives, I have decided that I will never again get involved in video games. Otherwise, I'll join someone and his house will explode or something. Oh, my God. Yes. What an emphatic quote. <laughs> uh, and then uh, a, uh, a year and a half ago at the Game Awards, it was announced that he's in Death Stranding. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, like, 
I'm really curious what his creative input is into Death Stranding because he's he's like performing in it. It seems like he's, he's an actor. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't think he's involved. I don't want to say creatively because actors are part of the creative process, yeah. but um, I don't. He's not as far as I know. He's not writing it. He's not producing yeah. it. His money's not behind it. I think Kojima just has, sort of has his like. His his cadre of, of pals that he likes putting in things with. Yeah, I think you're exactly. I'm sure right. they share beers and have conversations. Oh, absolutely. If you follow Kojima on Instagram, yeah, you can just leave. That's totally fine. Uh, no, I like to think if you follow uh, Kojima, <laughs> it's just gone. It's done. There was a That's back it. route. It's you an could objection. have taken. Uh, but no, if you follow uh, Kojima on Instagram, it's really fascinating because he has just amassed this weird like. Sort of, it reminds me of like how the, all the beat poets used to hang out together in San Francisco, except it's like Jordan Voigt Roberts who directed Kong, and then he's got Del Toro and Norman Reedus and Mads Mikkelsen, and then every once in a while, and like Jeff Keighley will be in these things. I'm like, what is this weird super group you've created, and how does this work? And also, how it's do like we become new exclusive party? Well, exactly. Yeah. And it's like, how do we become best friends with Kojima? Like, I've interviewed him a couple times, but he's never like, well, that's the never on his, you never ask. I'm never on his Instagram. You could be. I could, yeah. I don't know. I just, I, I just want to, I just want to be at those fancy dinners with him and Mads Mikkelsen. Well, I feel like the funny thing to me is like, because Mads Mikkelsen has been a part of crazy, crazy successful things, and then like obviously Hannibal canceled, and like I'm sure he's seen both sides of the spectrum too. I saw those little glasses, um, or mask, or whatever that was. Uh, but I think that um, anyone those... listening, you sound insane. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Barrett. Uh, <laughs> I think like there's this really interesting kind of um, like Kojima's collaborators are all people who I think have found success despite what is expected in Hollywood. Like they're all people who like buck trends and like like make these weird artistic things that then like find their niche and take off. So I think like a lot of them because of that, like by trying to fit into the mold, don't really Mm -hmm. do well. Um, I I think Matt Mickelson like was in Star Wars, obviously, and then has done. Uh, he was in Casino Royale. Yeah, he's done like more and more big stuff that like he's maybe a little bit the exception. But with Guillermo del Toro, totally makes sense that they would uh, eventually have connected mm-hmm. because I think they're guys who like are very like they're auteurs. They uh, really like what they like. They control every inch of a thing, and they really maybe make things that are weird or outside of the norm. Yeah. So like I I think no matter how del Toro is connected, like it's actually really exciting to me that like looking at this long list, like knowing that he has a game come out that he like actually like positively contributed to that might yeah. potentially be really really good is like just kind of a sweet like oh you did it well it's just funny that like if assuming in an alternate world where kojima and konami never had their split up and uh silent hills did come out it probably wouldn't be out yet but we'd be like ramping up coverage of it mm-hmm. and they'd now be able to put from academy award winning director guillermo del toro like no matter what creative role he had if he was just a producer like Del Toro won Best Director and Best Picture at the Academy Awards, and no one can ever take that away from him. Well, he probably can. Frances McDormand got hers stolen last night. So, <laughs> I guess, so technically, someone, someone can physically take it from you, but they can't take the accolade away from you. Yeah. Um, which would, I don't know, I feel like that would have been huge for a game and sort of in that ongoing, like, really boring fight of trying to legitimize video games as an art form. Like, that's just one more, like, all right, just... Old people can get out of the way. Yes, it's a legitimate art form. It's fine. Still look, doing that? look. I, I mean, somebody it comes up every is, once in a yeah. while. Yeah, those. I mean, those people are getting. It. It's the same people who are like, "Get Out" is not an Oscar film. I'm like, no, you're just racist. You're just racist. That's all it is. Um, I don't know how I got there. Movies. Yeah, I movies. think it was movies' fault. Yeah. Um, well, that was our show this week. We did good. <laughs> that was yeah. a terrible segue. Oh no! You no. messed you're up our segue. Well, I didn't. Have, my thing was I didn't have another thing. 
Yeah. Uh, that's true. I always have another it's thing. Blank page. Uh, just a blank page. Yeah. Uh, but we're <laughs> that's gonna have. That's a... all we're looking at, right? Yeah. Now. It's right? A fresh start. This, this is for you to fill in. Now. It's a, oh, oh, oh wow. Like yeah. I mean, it kind of is. Yeah. Uh, but no. Right uh, March is uh, a pretty cool month for PlayStation. We have a ton of stuff. Yeah. Uh, Nino Kuni Two is coming out. Far Cry is coming out. Uh, I'm pretty sure we can say that we're gonna be playing God of War soon. People yeah. have been posting. Like Corey posted that they're on their preview event in in yeah. Paris. So yeah, I think uh, it's safe to say there will be some cool God of War coverage coming. And also, though, like I think that's common sense. Like I think like in the ramp to release, like mm-hmm. they have to hit that one last beat of like show us what this game is before you're in like yeah. the home stretch. And will be the shows coming out. So we'll bring on Ryan for a segment. Yeah, the one person who plays MLB the show at IGN. Are you excited for God of War? Yeah, in the sense that like it seems to be more of a like personal like connection kind of a story, so that's cool. Um, but I don't know. There's all these like games like Assassin's Creed Origins I tried to get into, and I was just like, I just don't want to play another Assassin's Creed game again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And a little bit I feel that way about God of War too. Yeah. So I think what God of War's been team. a <laughs> God of no, War Siri well. God of War too. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think the one nice thing with God of War is that it does. It feels like it's been long enough, and then totally it feels like the series is just grown up. In this one, a little bit like this is yeah. a father-son story as opposed to just the angry shirtless man who rips people apart, which is totally fine. You can have the angry shirtless ripping things apart. You can have all the stories, and all the have, characters exactly, are. exactly. Um, oh. but yeah, I am, I am super excited for God of War. I, the, 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 my big question is how does it play? Which is hopefully we're going to find out soon because everything yeah. looks cool, the story looks great, the game visually looks amazing. Um, but how does it actually feel? You're just going to still be Very playing Pokemon, you? yeah, yeah, probably, yeah. <laughs> It is nice to see, though, that, like, the industry and, like, a lot of the games that we're playing are growing up and, and maturing a lot. And they're yeah. they're exploring stuff that are more interesting. Yeah. Well, and Sony's absolutely. doing a really good job of that, I think. Um, and Sony, the, the other – we didn't have the story on here, but they've doubled down on wanting uh, – they want to, like, put a lot of time and money into first-party studios making more of these games. And they have said before that, like, they are still super invested in AAA, single-player, narrative-driven games. So they are, then you see that the proof is in the pudding. It's not just them saying that. You see that with Horizon. You see that with Detroit, Spider-Man, God of War, like Last of Us, Death Stranding. Um, you know, they're, while a lot of the industry is going towards uh, games as a service or sort of trying to be like, what's going to, like, how we become the next PUBG or Fortnite or we need the next hero shooter. Um, Sony seems fine with the course they have and sticking to it, which has made sense because this generation, they're far and away in the lead. Yeah, and they're just cultivating the talent. Like, the, the Worldwide Studios is such a good stable of, like, solid talent that I, I like that they trust their creators. Like, it seems like they, like, are allowing their devs to tell the stories they want to tell. Um, there doesn't seem to be any kind of, like, mandate from on high that you need, like, this genre, this genre, this genre. Like, yeah. those studios. I, I mean, from the outside, who knows? But from the outside, it looks like that they, they really are able to kind of um, go in the direction they want to. Yeah, which is cool. Which is very exciting. Uh, yes, very cool time to be covering Sony. Um, that was beyond episode 534. Uh, you can find us all on Twitter. I am at McBiggity. Uh, Andrew, where are you? I'm Garfep. <laughs> is that a word? <laughs> uh, we used to say it stood for a thing. I can't say anymore. So the new joke is that it stands for going all around finding every Pokemon. Oh, that's perfect for yeah. you. Yeah. Thank you. I'm just, you know, Tina Amini, super lame. No what does that mean? Acronym. That's just your name. Um, my first name is a flower in Iran, and my last name means honesty in Farsi. So oh, it's good that I became a cool. journalist, right? That's yeah, good. Really. <laughs> <laughs> I like that there's like, your, you have a doppelganger that's like the lying bush or something. <laughs> <laughs> the lying shrub. You're like, no, no, I must find her. And then we fight. Yeah, and then you know, we fight. Persona style game. Yeah, Ooh. <laughs> yeah mine, uh, my last name means gold color in German. I don't know what my first gold name is. Gold color? Means. I like yeah, that. That's what gold color means. I mean, I have a, just... One of my things I love the most, I have in my desk, is a, a Mario box from Gamescom. 
that uh, it's a it's a gold coin was a pre order bonus for New Super Mario Brothers two, and it says Gold Farbenes on it. Um, because my last means gold color, and it's cool, and I got it from Germany, and it is on my desk. That is all the perfect little intersection. Yeah, that's an intersection. You. That's your brand. Thanks, man. Yeah, I'm proud of you. Uh, for Tina, Andrew, and Marty, uh, this has been Beyond Episode 534, and we will see you all next week. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.